0: And welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintle Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintle, the relationship doctor. And I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel, and every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us.
1: It's not Monday through Friday, Dr. Linda, it's the weekend again. The weekend, yay! Seems like it just happens every seven days or (laughs) so. It
0: kind of does, (laughs) You can't stop it.
1: Right. As always, we're glad you're with us again on the program or any other day of the week because, Dr. Linda, you can listen to this program on iTunes if you download the podcast.
0: And I've heard a lot of people, a lot of people have written me and a lot of people that I know have told me, hey, I'm... I'm downloading that podcast and I'm listening to it and I'm in the car and anytime I want. So we're portable. They can take us with them wherever they go.
1: See, back in the day, you had to say, man, I heard this radio show. Let me tell you about it. Then you have to explain the content. Now you can point someone... To the podcast.
0: Yes. So we're so excited that we have that. That's
1: right. Well, today's program is about codependency. It's a word we hear a lot about, and we're going to talk about what it is and how it develops and the signs to look for, and of course, then what to do about it. You may know someone who is codependent or in a codependent relationship. <laughs> And maybe you want to let them know about this program and, of course, listen to the podcast, like we said. This is going to be a helpful show to many because this type of relationship characterizes a lot of people.
0: I mean, do you know someone who you would characterize as codependent? I do. Yes, a couple of people. I think all of us can think of somebody in our life. And when there is codependency, it's really just not the basis of a healthy relationship, which Mm -hmm. is why it's a show about relationships. We're going to talk about this. I'm kind of surprised, Chris, we've never done a show on this. Well, listen, codependency is not a mental disorder. So I want to just throw that out there at the Mm -hmm. beginning. We're not talking about that. But it is dysfunctional, and it actually is toxic in relationships if it really gets going in a cycle. It's a term that's really used to describe a type of destructive relationship pattern.
1: Do you think people find themselves in this type of relationship without actually knowing that they are codependent
0: I do and I do I think that's the case and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this show is so that you can listen to the signs of this and start thinking hmm is that mm-hmm. going to describe me? Right. It's really about two people with dysfunctional personality traits that become worse together.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: so it's not a good combo right. to have this.
1: Hopefully they don't say that about us as we as we do this, <laughs> this program.
0: Well, we're not codependent. <laughs> but, I don't think we qualify.
1: Right. You know, when I think of the term codependency, for some reason it sort of leads me to think about drug abuse. Codependency can develop in all sorts of relationships.
0: Probably people have heard that term from going through maybe drug treatment with somebody where they say, you know, don't be codependent, don't be an enabler in that relationship. But it's really about any relationship when the person puts the needs of another person's needs in front of their own. So they're, they're really building their identity upon another person. And actually the relationship. And so as a result of that, the person often feels resentful and angry, but they don't usually talk about that.
1: Hmm. What's odd is as Christians, we have this idea built into us of putting the needs of others first. So the idea of codependency, isn't it sort of a a Christian trait?
0: I can see where that really could be confused with that. I think Mm -hmm. one of the things about codependency is that deep down the person who is codependent believes that they deserve to somehow be mistreated. Hmm. Now, that's not a Christian idea. No. You know, we're supposed to take care of ourselves and and actually treat our bodies and ourselves in a good way. Christians do want to consider others and their needs, but codependency has a different motive behind it, and I think that's what's really important. It's not a biblical idea to get your worth from other people or to need other people to function. And when a person is motivated by shame or blame or self-abuse, And that's usually some of the motivation to get into one of these type of relationships that definitely isn't godly Mm -hmm. and all of that is part of codependency so rather than being so dysfunctional that you can't take care of yourself and all you're doing is trying to help somebody else that's an extreme position now in Christianity we do want to we want to love each other we want to serve each other we want to help meet other people's needs but this need to be needed is more of a selfish motive than it is the actual wanting to serve other people
1: it's a such a twisted idea need to be needed is actually a selfish motive right Hmm, that's interesting let me ask you this two people who rely on each other they're in a relationship they need support and love and both value the relationship would you call that normal or because of the way i described it would it be codependent
0: no that would be healthy and that would be normal now If a person feels worthless unless they're needed by that other person or they're making constant self-sacrifices for the other person and not getting anything back in that relationship, Mm -hmm. then that's codependency. In other words, the codependent person is only happy when they're making extreme sacrifices for their partner. They feel they must be needed by this other person to have any kind of purpose at all.
1: Okay, so we've unpacked this a little bit. We have an an idea of what codependency is. What are some examples of this?
0: So let's let's use this one example with a parent and a child because we don't always think about parent child being in a codependent relationship. But a parent expects to control an adult child, especially this happens more with adult children. So let's say a parent expects to control an adult child because of the parent's financial support of the child. Uh So we know a lot of people like that, right? They're kind of dependent on their parents to help them. So a friend won't confront another friend uh, about his drug use for fear of losing a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So that can be codependent. You know, I'm not going to really be truthful about this because I'm afraid that the person might walk away. So you have this kind of codependency on each other. The same with the parent and adult child. They have a codependency because, well, I need my parent for the support. I won't really confront my dad or Mm. my mom on what's going on because I really need them in a different way.
1: What about the reverse of that where a a mother wants to be a part of her son's life, but then when he pulls away and says, mom, I need to grow up, she resents that.
0: Right. Is that codependency? Yeah, that could be, that's a really good example of that. I think the issue here, Chris, is that at the core of the relationship it's focused on using another person rather than giving unconditional love or an honest kind of genuine acceptance of that person. And again, this comes from our selfish human nature.
1: What is just a simple definition of codependency?
0: Okay, so if we just think about it, codependency is when your self-worth is dependent on something external to you, Mm -hmm. and it's dysfunctional. Um, you stay trapped in that dependency because you don't think you're worthy of a better situation. And then this pattern becomes a vicious cycle. So it's when the person becomes needy or dependent on another person.
1: So it's more than just being, as you'd say, clingy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a person who's codependent will plan their entire life around pleasing the other person or the enabler.
1: And the enabler, we need to define that as well, that's the person who allows them to act like this?
0: Yeah, so people who habitually enable dysfunctional behavior are actually codependent. So it's kind of, you know, it goes into that codependent relationship. Co means together. Ah, right. So it's two people doing this together. An enabler's self esteem is often dependent on his or her willingness or ability to help, but it's usually help that is aiding and abetting this codependency, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not good help. They rescue. Um, And this type of help allows the enabler to feel in control of an unmanageable situation. So the enabler gets something out of this Mm, because they're feeling like they're rescuing people. You know, they're really important and needed in the person's life. The example of that would be a parent who allows a child to stay home from school because he hasn't studied now there's some people who do that mm, but that would right. be enabling it's helping the child be irresponsible
1: unless you are homeschooling then that's <laughs> yeah, that's mute, right mute point. <laughs>
0: they probably can stay home to take their tests that would not be enabling here's another one the spouse who makes excuses for his hungover partner uh, is enabling alcohol abuse right or the friend who lends money to a drug addict so he won't be forced to steal hmm. Is enabling the addiction right so enabling doesn't help at all and it really causes a lot of harm and it it really makes the situation worse if you lean on this and you have this type of relationship the problem is it's not an equal relationship it doesn't have the give-and-take that relationships have and you really do become dependent Mm. that other person.
1: I see now why we say co because the two people are involved.
0: They're dependent on each other.
1: It seems like there's a fine line too between enabling someone and genuinely trying to help.
0: Here's a good example. Letting a teenager ignore chores while studying for finals may be helpful. So maybe one time you say okay you don't have to do your your chores because you really need to study. That's not codependency. Mm -hmm. But if you dismiss that teenager's drug use Or if they were drinking or bullying or being defiant and you just go, oh, well, that's just a part of being a teenager, that would be enabling. That is dysfunctional. All
1: right. Well, Dr. Linda, I think we have a good idea about what codependency is. And when we come back from the short break, let's identify signs and ask a couple of questions to see if your relationship is codependent. Could you be enabling toxic behavior? More to come on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book We Need to Talk in order to help all of us deal better with conflict.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And today's topic is codependent no more. And we have a lot more to talk about. But before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, DrLindaMental.com. There you will find her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. And remember, an easy way to know what Dr. Linda is writing about each day is to follow her on Twitter and Facebook at DrLindaMental. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes anytime. Dr. Linda, let's go over some questions you can ask yourself to help decide if you or someone you know is the, here we go, the enabler.
0: The enabler. Uh Okay, so here would be some good questions. Do you ignore unacceptable behavior? Do you find yourself resenting the responsibilities you take on? Do you consistently put your own needs and desires aside in order to help someone else? Do you have trouble expressing your own emotions? Do you ever feel fearful that not doing something will cause a blow up or make the person leave you or eventually even result in violence? Do you ever lie to cover for someone else's mistakes? Do you consistently assign blame for problems to other people rather than the one who is really responsible? And final question, Chris, is do you continue to offer help when it is never appreciated or even acknowledged?
1: When you spell it out like this, I think of this person, they have to live in a uh, tormenting type situation for them
0: well they're always trying to rescue that person so think about it when you're always trying to get a person out of their problems you're having to lie and manipulate and cover up and do that kind of thing rather than making the person responsible and that that really is why it's such a problem
1: how does this type of relationship develop in the first place
0: I'm glad you asked that because it really is a learned behavior This isn't something that's genetic or, you know, comes from something you inherit. It really is something that stems from the way that you are treated as a child and Mm. then the way you deal with adult relationships. So a lot of times what happens is a child or a teenager may have been taught that their own needs were less important than their parents' needs, or their needs weren't important at all. Hmm. And so they're used to trying to figure out what's going on with their parent and help them and rescue them. So you can see how that would just carry over into adulthood.
1: I've seen this play out in families before, and I would think that dysfunctional families don't acknowledge this type of problem. I mean, if they don't see it, then it really doesn't change.
0: And that's the problem, and that's why we're doing a show on this, because we really do want to give people some markers to say, ooh... Do I have a, a rather dysfunctional or toxic relationship in this area? Because what happens is that needy parents can sometimes teach their children that they are selfish or greedy if they want anything for themselves. Mm, right. So think about an addict. Think about someone who's really struggling with addiction or some kind of uh, a chronic problem and they're always focused on what they need and then their kids are kind of pestering them because they're kids and they have needs but you can kind of say don't bother me or I'm too sick or leave me alone or I can't deal with you now and the child learns then to ignore their own needs and thinks only of what they can do for the other person in this case their parents and when the child gets older they usually seek out that same type of relationship because Chris, we've talked about this over and over on our show. We get into relationships that are somewhat familiar to us Mm -hmm. because we're comfortable in a weird way because they feel so familiar.
1: This seems like just sheer misery when I think about this person who is codependent, always trying to reach out to... uh, meet someone else's needs only to make themselves feel better.
0: Yeah, it seems exhausting too, doesn't it? it? it Because you're always having to kind of figure out what's going on with the other person and then Mm -hmm. what can I do? And then the other person is always trying to figure out how can I rescue them, help them, and not make them
1: responsible. Let's uh, talk about this scenario. A parent gets sick, you possibly move in with them to help take care of them as they are going through whatever illness. Can codependency develop when a family member has a chronic illness like this?
0: That's a really good topic to think about because You know, that isn't based on some, usually any kind of really negative childhood cycle. Mm -hmm. It could just be that the person is really thrust into that caretaking role. And especially if they're very young. I mean, young kids, if they have a very ill parent, have to do a lot of things and act like the parent a lot of times. But again, if you think about it, it can lead to them neglecting their own needs. And they're always on the lookout for what the other person needs. And so their self-worth can form by being needed by someone else, but they're not really getting a lot in return. And, and it's not because the person is doing something mean. It's just that they're sick and they can't give that kind of return.
1: What happens when they die then?
0: A lot of times what happens is you're so used to that caretaking role that you're looking for someone either to take care of or you really have to readjust and figure out, okay, I put so much of my time and effort into this. Has it become my identity Hmm. and do I need to shift that around?
1: Does abuse play into this as well? Because abused children, they have to try and not upset a parent and they need to uh, be aware of their parents' needs rather than their own. Because of the abuse.
0: That is an instance where codependency really does develop. The person who is always having to think about, how can I not get hurt? You know, what can I do to avoid upsetting my parent? I don't want to, you know, make them mad at me because then bad things can happen, is tuning into the other person and not really thinking about, And how is this affecting me? And when that happens, they sometimes then go into adult relationships and think, oh, I have to always be doing what the other person wants, and I'm not thinking about myself. So really insightful to bring that up.
1: So what do we look for in order to decide if we or someone we know is in this type of relationship.
0: You know, you mentioned the idea about being clingy a little Mm, bit ago. Right. And so it is kind of hard to know, is someone just being kind of clingy and a little bit dependent, or is this really codependency? But if you're looking at codependency, there are usually five traits you can think about in your own life, and that will give you some idea. Chris, the first one is being a people pleaser. So when you're afraid of conflict and you're not able to say no to people and you're just constantly doing things to smooth things over, that's a sign that you're codependent with somebody.
1: What about the person who is the fixer?
0: Well, we do want to help people, right? We do want to do things that are, are helpful and loving to people. That's not wrong. But if you excessively have to always be the person in the person's life who's saying, I can help you with that. Mm -hmm. I know what to do. Let me handle it. You're jumping in to give solutions when you're not asked. You believe it's your duty to clean up someone's mess. So you're covering for people. Maybe you're paying their loans. You're making excuses to their boss. That fixer mentality takes on new meaning when you're so fixated on everyone else, right? You forget to focus on yourself.
1: Could codependency get into being defined by your job or your title?
0: It could, if all of your worth is all related to your job. The same thing with a relationship. If you only have worth if you're in a relationship, then whether it's a job or a title or you know a position that you have, if your identity is tied into that, then you could become codependent with that particular thing.
1: I think one of the biggest breakdowns in any relationship, no matter what the problem is, is a lack of boundaries.
0: Yeah. And when you're codependent and someone tramples on your boundaries and then you make excuses for them and say, Mm -hmm. it's okay, this is a problem. And this is really toxic to any relationship. Like you said, boundaries are so important to keep and people that are codependent have trouble with that
1: and people obsess over relationships. Is that a key?
0: Especially when you want to control somebody and you want to make sure that they're doing things the way you want them to do or you feel like they don't love you, they're not worthy. You know. So again, this can get really mixed up into trying to control the relationship, find your identity in a relationship, and making sure you're trying to make things go a certain way. Those are all traits that people have that could lead easily into codependency
1: you know we've done shows on self-esteem are these two related
0: yeah they are because if you have good self-esteem you're going to you're going to put boundaries on people you're not going to take responsibility for what other people are doing and you're not going to feel the need that you have to get your identity by rescuing people so they're directly tied together
1: Hmm. before we go to the break let's go over some more questions that you could uh, ask yourself to help you determine if your relationship is codependent.
0: So these are good summary questions because they kind of get at all those traits that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So do you find no satisfaction or happiness in life outside of doing things for another person? Hmm. If you can't just always do something for Sharon, and you're not happy any other way, it's probably a dysfunctional relationship. Do you stay in a friendship even if you're aware that the person does hurtful things? Do you feel constant anxiety about the relationship due to a desire to always make that other person happy? Do you use all your time and energy to do whatever the person asks you to do? There's the boundaries one right there. Do you feel guilty about your own needs and don't express any personal needs or desires? That's getting at that self-sacrificing that we talked about. And finally, Chris, do you ignore your own morals or conscience to do whatever the other person wants? And that's when you're making excuses and covering up.
1: Well, answering yes to any of those questions is a sign of possible codependency. But don't worry, you can change the relationship. More on that after the break on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So, why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, He knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, He wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control, no matter how much we think we do, He does. And third, He wants us to trust Him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who He says He is, or He will do what He says He will do. So every day, take your worries to God. Rehearse his goodness, accept his grace, and walk in the confidence that he is in control and he's working all things for your good. Well, the other day I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out, but I restrained myself, knowing that yelling at the driver would not do much good. And really, it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. You know, anger easily rises up in most of us. And while anger is a natural emotion, you need to deal with it the right way. So it's not wrong to be angry, but how you deal with your anger is what counts. The Bible tells us, be angry, but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? This is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. This small book has sold over 130,000 copies. It's because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry, but not sin. Practice what scripture teaches us. Breaking free from anger and unforgiveness is available on my website, drlindamintill.com. That's drlindamintill.com and also available online where books are sold.
1: You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website and online. Check out her website, drlindamental.com, and you can listen to the program as a podcast on iTunes. Uh, Dr. Linda, as we begin to wrap up the program today, we're talking about codependency. And if you are the enabler in a codependent relationship, give us some tips on changing that pattern.
0: Okay, so you got to remember to stay strong in these things, but there is a way to change this. You know, one person can say, I'm not going to continue to do the things that I've been doing. So the first one would be stop covering up the fact that the person you love or you want to help has problems. Hmm. You know, you need to make sure that they see the consequences of that behavior, and that's about the only way the person's going to change. So stop covering up.
1: You'd stop giving your loved one money, clothing, gift cards and other gifts if they have an addiction, because addicts are known for taking advantage of the people who love them. Well, this can be hard at first, obviously, but uh, clear boundaries, like we said in the uh, previous segment, need to be established in order to avoid having this continue in the future.
0: And I think that's hard, because people do it from a willing heart. You gotta remember that addiction is a chronic brain disease, and they will do anything to get what they want once they're in a compulsive use state. Hmm. You know, it's really hard on the people on the other side because they're like, well, maybe if I give them the money or maybe if I help them with their car or do something, but then they don't realize that that's going towards the drugs.
1: Well, you mentioned at the beginning of the program, maybe if I give them the money, they won't go out and steal.
0: Yeah, but But
1: they have a drug problem.
0: Yeah. And so they're going to use that because the brain is saying, get that drug no matter what. Hmm. So you got to be really careful with that one. If you're the enabler, you have to stop trying to control and manipulate everything. That's a harder one for people to wrap their brain around. If they're trying to control the other person so the person doesn't get out of control, then you're enabling that. So encourage the person to get their own help. Stop trying to rescue them because you can't change them.
1: Make your loved one stay true with obligations, and this would be hard too. Stop making excuses on why they act the way they do or why they blow off important dates and meetings. You need to hold your loved one responsible for their obligations so they can go out into society as a contributing member. And sometimes a hands-off approach, even though it's difficult, it can be beneficial. You're no longer their crutch.
0: That's right. And it's hard to do this when you make that change. But if you do these things we're telling you to do as the enabler, you're going to get out of that role. And here's the final one, Chris. Stop thinking about your loved one's reactions. Now, your loved one's going to be angry with you when you start to change your behavior because now you're not giving in, you're not rescuing, you're not helping them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to like it. But the only way you're going to make that change is that when you're not covering up. So you got to make a change here by stop doing a lot of the things that
1: you were doing. That last one's key. I think you could probably 100% of the time Anticipate anger when this begins. And they
0: won't like you very much, but guess what? In the long run, they'll come around, and they'll start being responsible, and Mm -hmm. then things can change.
1: Well, even though codependency isn't a mental health disorder, you can get treatment to change this uh, dysfunctional pattern in your behavior. Talk about that.
0: So the treatment really involves understanding how your childhood issues maybe have created this pattern and maybe how you brought those into your adult relationships. And so it can be beneficial to really go to a therapist and start saying, let's look at the way I deal with people in relationships and let's kind of pick that apart. And then you know where to make changes. So here's a few things that can help about that. Take some small steps towards separating yourself a little bit in the relationship. Maybe find a hobby or something Mm. you can do outside of that relationship.
1: You could uh, spend some time with supportive family members and friends.
0: Yeah, some other kinds of friends. And the enabler must decide that they're not helping their codependent partner by allowing them to make these extreme sacrifices. So it's an intentional decision that you make to make a change.
1: Say goodbye to abusive behavior. People who were abused need to recognize past abuse and start to feel their own needs. And emotions again
0: yeah and then respond rather than react to your partner so have a plan and get some healthy skepticism in there regarding what you know others say about you your self-esteem should not rise and fall on what other people are doing so guide your esteem by what God says and accept his unconditional love for you
1: speaking of which as we wrap up the show we always do that we we go to the Bible and see what scriptures say about this
0: so our goal as Christians is really to develop interdependency with other people we're supposed to be mutually responsible to others and use our unique gifts in those relationships so if you think about it being codependent means you're putting god second because you rely on someone else to get your emotional and physical needs met rather than taking care of them yourself and trusting god in the process so rather than you trying to rescue the person point them to the lord because he's the only real true rescuer You know, change isn't easy for any of us, but the goal here is to develop a balanced, two-sided relationship, which will actually be much more meaningful and much more satisfying in the end. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm our social media directors, Zach and Allison Bolton, our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember... We're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. You can make a little better Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.